Please turn in your Bibles with me to our text this evening, which comes from the book of Ecclesiastes, as we will be considering Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verses 1 to 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verses 1 to 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 1 to 4. Please then hear with me the reading of God's Word. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of myrrh. Thus far as a reading of God's Word. What Solomon says in these uh, first four verses uh, really goes against the grain, doesn't it? But that's because what he sets out to do in the opening verses here of chapter 7 is set before all people the way to discover uh, true happiness and contentment which cannot be found in the things in which the world was, was searching it for. Right? In earthly wisdom, in pleasure, in riches, in goods, in the, in the honor of men. He calls a, a good name better than precious ointment. Uh, the day of death better than the day of birth. Going to the house of mourning is better than going to the house of feasting. And sorrow better than laughter. Right? What he calls better is completely opposite right, to what the world would call better, isn't it? But I believe that is because of the, the value right, that the unbeliever and that the believer place upon what Solomon here describes in these proverbial sayings. And this is what I mean. Uh, look with me at verse 1a. A good name is better than precious ointment. Now, when Solomon says precious ointment, what he's talking about is is something very expensive. Precious ointment was was very uh, costly. If you recall, it was precious ointment that uh, Mary had anointed the feet of Jesus with. And it was at that time, remember, Judas says, wait, don't do that. Uh, we We could sell that ointment and we could use that money to 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 help the poor. And it's at that time we are told, though, that, that that precious ointment was worth 300 denarii. Now remember, one denarii is one day's wage for a laborer. And so a bottle of precious ointment was essentially right, one year's salary. right? Someone's entire year's uh, earnings in that one precious bottle of, of ointment. Um, it was also that, that ointment. Do you recall that uh, the women come to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body with after He is placed in, in the tomb? And so that precious ointment was also something that could be used for, for in multiple situations. Um, it was also used medicinally right, for all different sorts of things. But, but still, Solomon says what? That a, that a good name is better than that precious ointment. Nowadays, though, you don't you hear people say, um, 
I don't care what people think about me. I, I don't care uh, how people know me. Um, we see this with children and their parents, don't we? After they leave the house, they oftentimes are not concerned with even how their parents view them anymore. Right? They, they turn away from how they were raised to a life of ungodliness. And what do they say? Well, it's my life. Right? I want to live my life how, how I want to. And so, if you were to ask those people, would you prefer to have a, a good name or one year's worth of wages, right? they're, they're going to take that one year's worth of wages, aren't they? Because they're going to say to themselves, well, what is a good name going to get me? Right? A, a good name is not going to pay my bills. Right? A good name is not going to uh, allow me the opportunities that I want to enjoy the earth. And so they're going to say, give me... Right? Give me the, the, the wages that I might enjoy the things of the earth, that I might be able to, to pay bills and, and use the excess for all of the enjoyments that I want to indulge in. Now these four verses we need to understand though are set in a, in a funeral setting. Right? They are set in a funeral setting. And so if you've ever been to a funeral, you understand that oftentimes family members come up or the minister comes up and and they begin to speak about the person who has died. Right? They begin to talk about the, the character of that person. What is it that they're doing there? They're, they're talking about the, the good name right, of the one who has died. Right? A good name that is really kind of established or solidified at death. And still money will say what? Well, I'm dead at that time. What do I care? Right? What do I care about what people think about me once I'm dead and gone. But listen to what Solomon says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 10, verse 7. He says, The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. Now, who is the righteous there? Well, it's a person of faith. Right? It's, it's, a, it's a believer. And so their memory is a blessing especially to those who, who they leave behind because once they perish and die, right, it still allows right, the family members, the friends, the, the church they belong to, to, to reflect upon their life and rejoice in what God has done in their life. Right, it, it's a blessing. right? Their, their memory is a blessing because it, it soothes the souls of those who are left behind knowing that this person uh, went to go be with the Lord. I, I know where they are. Right? This is why you see a great difference, don't you, between the, the funeral of a believer and an unbeliever. This is why you see a, a big difference between even how the family responds, whether they are believers or unbelievers. And so Solomon is saying it's better to have the name believer. Right? It's better to have the name of God written upon you when all is said, is, when all is said and done because a precious ointment or any great possession that is of any value in this world can do you no good to your soul. Right? Precious ointment does no good to one's soul. Right? When you die, you will have to leave that precious ointment behind. It, it benefits you not at death, but you know what does? A good name does. Right? A good name does. He's saying then, don't pursue wealth at the expense of a good name. Because, brothers and sisters, a good name is a blessing not only now, but for all of eternity. And so if true happiness and, and true contentment is desired for the soul, 
can never be found in riches, but in the name that, re- that we receive by looking to the name that is above all other names. In verse 1b, he also says, though, uh, the day of death is better than the day of birth. Again, I don't think the world would agree, would they? And they would say, well, just look at the two occasions. How can you say such a thing? When a, a child comes into the world, we rejoice. Right? We're happy. We celebrate at death. People cry. People are sad. People are, are sorrowful. How can you dare say that the day of death is better than the day of birth? Well, part of it is you have to, you have to be one of those people who have the good name right? in order to understand why the, the day of death would be better than the day of one's birth. Right? See, the worldly person values the world. This is why they are terrified to die, why they want to live it up while they still have time, while they are still breathing. But the believer, who has a proper understanding of life and death in light of the, of the curse, in light of the fall, which Solomon keeps drawing our attention back to, right? we recognize that, that when we enter into this world, at birth we enter into a, a sin-cursed world. Right? We enter into a, a fallen world. A world filled with sin. It is a world in which the believer himself has to daily, constantly be fighting against sin. But at death we realize, based on the promises of God, that at death we will depart this world for another. And at that time, it will exceed this world in every way. Right? That is why death is to be preferred to the day of one's birth. Right? At death and in heaven, sin shall be no more. There will be no more battling the flesh. There will be no more enduring temptation. And so we prefer death to the day of our birth because we prefer the eternal resting place that God has set apart for we who believe. Knowing that that will be a place of, of pure light and utter bliss when we enter into it. No longer will it be stained by any sin or any corruption. Death is also better than birth because what does this life bring us? Right? This life brings us sorrow. And this life brings us pain and heartache, doesn't it? Right? This life is filled with disappointments and frustrations. Right? In this life, because of sin, right, families become embattled. Best friends betray one another. Right? Children grieve their parents. But in the world to come, and at death, when we join the, the, the family of God, we will be at perfect harmony with one another. Right? There will be no disunity in glory amongst God's people. But even more important than that, although we see that there will be a, a change in place when we die, and a, a change in our condition, there will be also another change that will occur. One that is better than every other change that we can imagine. This is why Paul says in, uh, I believe it's 1 Corinthians, that uh, absent from the body, present in the presence of the Lord. Um, and in light of that, Paul in Philippians chapter 1, verse 23, goes on to kind of uh, say to himself, you know, I'm debating, is it, is it better to, to, to stay here and live and serve Christ on earth? Uh, or is it better for me to die and to go serve Christ in heaven for, forever? And in verse 23, this is what he says, My desire is to depart 
and be with Christ, for that is far better. Now you see, brothers and sisters, this ultimately is why we look forward to death. Right? This is why death is better than the day of our birth. This is why our last day on earth will be the believer's best day on earth. Because at that time we will depart this world and we will enter into the glorious presence of Christ where we will behold Him face to face. And that is a good that far exceeds anything that this world has to offer. This is why then Solomon goes on to say in verse 2, it is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. This life, excuse me, this world in this life likes to drown their sorrows or their pain or their miseries away in parting and excess, don't they? I mean, think about what so much of this world does after a long week of work. Right? They go to work at a, at a job they, they can't stand. Right? They're miserable. And so it's a cyclical cycle. Every weekend when they get home on Friday night, what do they do for that whole weekend? They're going to, to clubs and bars and house parties and, and large sporting events. And many of those people are going to those things, kind of drinking their sorrows away, right? trying to escape reality. But what benefit is there, brothers and sisters, to escape reality? Right? This is why Solomon so says that the, the house of mourning is better than the house of feasting. Because in the house of feasting, all we're concerned with is filling our bellies. In the house of feasting, right, we are concerned with, with forgetting right, our troubles. At the house of feasting, we dull our senses. Maybe we engage in a little small talk conversation, but... What happens when you walk into the house of mourning? Right? In the house of mourning, it, it makes you think about eternity, doesn't it? Right? it? It makes you think about spiritual truths and spiritual realities that you may not have thought of for some time. It makes you confront the reality that so many people want to escape, and that is this, that all of us one day will end up in that pine box that that person that we have come to remember is now laying in. And so it's at funerals that we recall our own mortality. And it's at funerals for so many, especially the unbeliever, that they, for maybe the first time in many years, hear the Gospel proclaimed and are reminded of their own sinfulness and their need for the Savior. For the believer, the house of mourning is, is better than the house of feasting because for the believer, even in the house of mourning, we too are reminded of what Christ has done for us, are we not? In the house of mourning, we are also encouraged, aren't we, to press on towards the upward call. Right? We are encouraged not only then to, to continue to live well as a Christian, but we are encouraged to die well as a Christian. Likewise, the, the house of mourning oftentimes even causes us to think soberly about deep truths that maybe we ourselves have neglected to think of. All things which are of infinitely more value than anything that we can derive from the house of feasting. Right? You gain far more wisdom and you do far more good for your soul in the house of mourning than you could ever do in the house of feasting. Right? But in this world's effort to escape this world, 
To escape the problems of the world, the vanity of the world. To, to fill that void that is left within them because this world has disappointed them so. They still, instead of, of seeking the house of mourning, looking to gain godly sorrow from it, they continue to prefer laughter, don't they? Right? They prefer laughter to sorrow. They want to make everything in this world a joke, do they not? They take all of these serious matters and they turn them into, into a joke. The name of God, of Christ, of, of what He has done in redemption, of sin, of death and hell, they make it all a joke. But let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. Those who, who laugh now and who make a joke and a mockery of those things will one day be faced with the, the punishment for their sin as they stand before the great white throne seat of judgment and are, and are called to account by Christ. They are made to, to pay up for what it is that they have done and they will spend an eternity right, in eternal uh, torment for that sin. Right? Those who, who want to spend their life laughing now must know this, that they will spend all of eternity then crying later. It is a crying, a weeping, a gnashing of teeth that shall never end. This is why Solomon, though, says that, that sorrow is better than laughter. As one author comments, the, the house of mourning is the wise man's school. The house of mourning is the wise man's school. It's in the house of mourning we study sin. It's in the house of mourning we study the effects of sin. And as we study sin and the effects of sin, what does it oftentimes do? It produces godly sorrow which leads to repentance. And that's why the house of mourning is, is to be so much more preferred. We need to see, brothers and sisters, that death then is a mentor. Right? Death is a, is a teacher to us all which provides for us lessons in, in sorrow, in godly sorrow. And it's... It's that godly sorrow that, that we all must come to realize if we are going to be the ones who, who are laughing and celebrating and rejoicing with all the saints in glory. This is why the life that pursues constant pleasures and riches at the expense of the house of mourning and dwelling upon the deep truths that God has given to man are nothing but foolish. This is what Solomon says in verse 4. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. But the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. The wise person, we need to understand, is, is thinking about important things concerning life and death. Right? Thinking about death and thinking about things that, that bring us mourning, we need to understand and prove our mind. Right? Thinking about those things increase our understanding. They correct our slackness. They reprove our disobedience. And they stir up within us greater faith and obedience. Because it reminds us, brothers and sisters, of our own end. That we too shall one day die. The heart of the fool is always looking to be amused. Right? Their heart is always in the house of, of merrymaking. It's always in the house of pleasure. They are purposely thoughtless concerning their eternal state. But Solomon is clear. That when death and, and mourning and sorrow teach, we must listen and we must learn. Because they are teaching us something and they want us to ask ourselves particular questions like, where will I go when I die? 
Right? What will become of me? How can I know where I am headed when I die? How can I be one who dies with a good name? How can I become one who sees the day of my death as better than the day of my birth? And ultimately, the answer is this. That you look to the greatest birth of them all. Right? You, you look to Christ. The birth of Christ. It is only because of the birth of Christ that what Solomon here says can be true. It is that birth that the saints in the Old Testament looked forward to that, that we look back towards. Right? Without Christ, brothers and sisters, death is a terrifying thing, is it not? But for the believer, right, Christ gives new meaning to death, does He not? Right? He infuses death with new meaning. Death for the believer is no longer a, a punishment for sin because of the curse, but rather, death for the believer is now a, a blessing of God. It is a blessing of God toward men. As Christ was born into this world to save His people from their sins, He came to fulfill the covenant of works, to obey the law in all of its entirety, perfectly for us, but even more so, brothers and sisters, than looking to the birth of Christ. There's one event maybe that's even greater. And that's looking to the death of Christ as well. right? Because even though Christ was born into the world without His death, we would not have our sins pardoned, would we? Right? The book of Hebrews tells us without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. And so let us see that we need to look to both the, the life and the death of Christ so that death will no longer be a sting to us. But rather, brothers and sisters, death now is, is sweet to us. Right? For, for Christ has, has now made it sweet because by His death He he crucified our sin with Him. Right? By His death, He triumphed over our every enemy. And now we, in Him, are victorious over them all. And so Solomon teaches us here is that what is important for us is the spiritual over the carnal. Right? The spiritual is far more important than the carnal. Right? Carnal living. Right? Living in the house of feasting. Uh, living after pleasure. And to just spend your life laughing is a life for fools. Right? But living according to the Spirit in the house of mourning, thinking about death, thinking about the important things of God, thinking about our sin and our need for the Savior, these things make wise. May we see this, brothers and sisters, before it's too late. Right? Let us see that while we are here on earth, God is, is still teaching us a lesson. I know that many of you after high school or graduation thought that you were done with school, but you're not. Right? So long as you are on this earth, you remain in school. Right? You are now in the school of heaven. And all of these events, all of these conditions, all these circumstances that we go through right, are, are fashioning us and forming us and molding us and preparing us for that eternal glory that awaits us. But we are not, that, we are not yet there, are we? Right? We are not yet there. And so, brothers and sisters, may we be wise with our time, right? redeeming the time, putting to death sin, right? putting on those uh, graces that God has bestowed upon us, right? glorifying God, enjoying Him in both His Word and by His Spirit, recognizing that 
That the very will of God for you and I is to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so while we are on this earth, let us walk in a manner worthy of that calling, recognizing that it will be on that last day when Christ appears, that we will finally see Christ as He is, and we will finally be made perfectly after the glorious image of Christ our Lord and Savior. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. Uh, Lord, we thank You that You have um, revealed such um, deep truths to Your people, ones that, apart from uh, the enlightening of Your Spirit, we would never understand. Uh, We thank You, Lord, that You have not only saved us, but that uh, You continue to do a, a great work within our lives. Uh, you continue to, to fashion us after the image of Your Son through suffering and through death and through mourning and through sorrow. And so, Lord, may we uh, never pray to throw off our crosses. For the crosses that You have placed in our life are, are ones that are meant to, to ultimately bless us. They are for our good. And so, Lord, may we see in, in all of our pain and suffering and heartache um, and affliction, may we see Your hand in it all, that it's ultimately for Your good and for, uh, ultimately for Your glory and for the good of Your church. And so, Father, we ask all these things. Uh, in Christ's name we pray. Amen.